Welcome to the Why Blank Lost News. I'm David Bloomberg, and today's headline includes a close look at chickens, tasty treat, or game-killing beasts. Also, there are rumors that a person named Julia is on Survivor this season. We'll have an investigative report. And in sports, will Joey Amazing ever lose a competition? Will Jeff Probst simply hand over tribal immunity from now on and only make the others play? But first, the top story today is that my co-host Jessica Lewis lost her winner pick, at least for now. Let's go to her for a live reaction. Oh, listen, I could sit here and cry, but my job right now is to report the news. And I have to tell you, Rick Devins, I am so sorry, but you lost this game because I picked you to win. Unfortunately, (laughs) sorry, Rick. I set into motion your downfall, and that's the way the news works here on Survivor. For any future Survivor players, be aware. If I pick you to win, your days are numbered. I apologize, Rick Devins, but that's the way that the news works, and that's how it works here on Why Blank Lost, because I seem to set into motion really horrific downfalls for people. So that's that's reporting from Jessica. All right, and I guess that's the end of the podcast, because you've already determined why you <laughs> lost. <laughs> Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. You made a prediction that went back in time. (laughs) Unfortunately, I feel like that's what I, you know, what I was thinking about when I was going through all of the stuff regarding Rick from now on, I should just always, whoever my pick is going to be for that week should always be somebody that I don't want to go home because then that person won't go home. You see how that oh, works? You'll love my predictions at the end of the podcast. So. Oh, I, I don't even want, I, I'm not excited about my prediction at all. I'm not. No, I'm not, no. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. Yes. So uh, speaking of predictions, we were obviously wrong uh, last week, you know, and what we, what we said might happen this week, but we knew we were shooting in the dark and mm-hmm. normally, normally we can't guess what will happen in a swap because it puts players into weird new positions, but this time it put them into weird old positions yeah so weird so weird so uh luckily we had uh, war dog math you know as i mentioned uh, last week he was doing math out there and he did some more for us uh to explain how low the percentage was of things ending up that way i know and like it's one of those things where i think everybody does and this might just be me you don't like it when somebody gets swap screwed you're always like sad for that person because you're like oh you know that person's now in a bad spot but then also with this type of swap you're also i i at least was bummed because you you like to see the new mix of people and how personalities are going to jive so there's like good and bad when it comes with the swap and how people react to it and it was such a weird swap because the only person that we really got to see that with was Wendy and she just puked all over her new tribe. Everybody else's dirty <laughs> laundry, which was quite fun to watch. But yeah, overall it was it it was definitely sad to see especially this group of five end up um really having to to go after one of their own. I didn't I didn't like it at all. Yeah, and like you said, we normally get to see new interactions and things. And another benefit would have been that we might have actually gotten to hear from someone on original comma. I know, uh, you know, which we still don't know. I mean, we have some vague ideas of what's going on there, but other than that, there's they're they're just a big, I don't know, conglomerate of of vagueness. Yeah, comma people. That's it. They're just comma people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They wear yellow, <laughs> yeah. shades of yellow. That's what we know. Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. I will say this, yeah. though, and I didn't I didn't point this out earlier because I didn't want to be one of those people that creates a spoiler. And this wouldn't be a spoiler now because it's already happened. But you know how they always do the the intro and they show over every player and you know everyone kind of gets yes. like two frames. Well, there have been past seasons, including mine, where uh, by mistake, a buff is seen by one of the people and it's a merge buff. And they're like, oh crap, that's the wrong color buff that that person's wearing. 
And it's it's in the opening credits, which is a problem because obviously everybody knows what color buff you're supposed to have going in. And the shot of David, if you look, you can see that he's got a green buff on the top of his head. And like, I think his second shot. And I was like, hmm, that looks like a green buff to me. But I never said anything about it because I didn't want people to get mad that I was providing a spoiler. So if you go back and look, you'll see it's it's he's definitely wearing a green buff, which he is now on his new drive. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, Jeff Pittman of True Dork Times didn't post this or else I missed it somehow because he is usually right on top of buff colors. And he also even points out when Survivor does what he calls the buffomatic, and they uh, they recolor the yes. buff to move move one confessional to another place. But he can he can spot it because it's like, well, OK, you recolored the buff, but it still says comma in big letters across yeah. it or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, which, by the way, it really annoys me that this season their names are on it. And last season, when it was David versus Goliath, I really wanted a buff that said David, <laughs> just David across it. But of course, they didn't do that. I know. That's unfortunate. So, yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, but, yeah, getting back to the to David and the rest of that five, you know, it was portrayed that Wardog was acting as the swing vote in this episode. But I say that Wardog kept Kelly and Lauren safe and solid every other vote to this point. So he's earned their trust to such a high level mm. that Lauren didn't feel the need to use her idol. Yeah, it's you know, it, it's clear to me he was never the swing vote, even if he was portrayed that way. And he verified on Twitter Saturday night that he told Lauren he was 100 percent with them. And he told Rick, "Ah, I've got to think about it. Well, and the thing is, is I feel like David and Rick should have been very leery of War Dog just coming off of the last vote where he was clearly talking about how close he was with Kelly and how he wanted to keep Kelly. And even Rick acknowledged in one of his confessionals that David and War Dog weren't that close. So I don't Mm -hmm. know why there was so much emphasis placed on him being a swing vote because yeah i agree he he had shown that he wanted kelly to stay in multiple votes prior to the you know the one where lauren was on the chopping block and and i just to me i feel the same way that even though he was saying i'm the swing vote and that's how it was being portrayed i don't think for one second that lauren and kelly thought that he was at all going to vote with rick and david i really don't think he was going to yeah, I think it was clearly just meant to try to make uh, a fairly obvious vote seem non-obvious. Yeah. And sad. I'm uh, so sad. With yes, that. yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but speaking of sad, you know, uh, uh, David Wright said that this was the, I, I don't know if he said saddest, but he said it was the most incredible tribal council he'd ever been at. Yeah, now, that's not true. Yeah, it, it <laughs> seems to me there might have been a couple others that were higher on the list there. I feel, you know, here's the thing with David. David is very good at playing up tribal council and I think trying to throw people off a little bit. And maybe he thought that if he said something like that, he's either going to gain favor with Lauren if he thinks Lauren is going home or he's going to try to throw them off and and make War Dog think that that, you know, he's not necessarily voting with them. Like he's I think he does it to try to throw people off so people don't really know where he's coming from. And what he thinks the end result is going to be. I there's so many times that David would say things at tribal council that you kind of scratch your head and, and you're wondering what what is he trying to say right now? And and I think he does it to throw people off the scent with what the plan is. And that's what I think that was all about because I yeah. disagree with that sentiment greatly. <laughs> Did you pick up the phone immediately? David. <laughs> you're like, really? Did you forget about the rocks? Yeah, but uh <laughs> But I mean, I I think we're going to end up talking a lot about David, this particular yeah, now, why Rick lost. Yeah. Now, speaking of David, uh, it occurs to me. So so Rob had Brett on the voicemail show this week. And uh, one thing he said to Brett, he said, now, be, before we start. I need you to solemnly swear that you are not spoiled and David Wright has not told you anything. And Brett did that. And it occurred to me. Well, I wonder. I wonder if anyone ever thought that about Jessica. Now, all you have to do is look at your prediction and you know that uh, clearly that's uh, not <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah. And I can tell um, you this. But. I know nothing about what happens with David. I'm 
definitely not spoiled. I was incredibly happy to see that he would be on the season. I didn't know that that was happening either. So yeah, I mean, as far as being spoiled is concerned, David has kept everything very close to the chest and hasn't shared information. And I'm certainly not anyone he has shared anything with. So, and yeah, like you said, my predictions show that I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I have no idea. All right. So now that we have that out of the way, um, you know, last week, we were challenged by Stephen to come up with good answers about why Chris lost. And we did. And this week, when Rob brought up our podcast at the end of Know-It-Alls, as he was going through everything for the week, uh, Stephen guessed that the reason for Rick, Rick losing was the world is random and life has no meaning. That's not true. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's very philosophical. Maybe that is the case, and, but it's it, way too much for us to discuss here. So instead, we'll tackle the question the same way we always do and stick to solid facts, including what we see on TV, plus outside non-spoiler information like web clips on CBS All Access, Twitter press conferences with contestants, etc., and we'll compare the information to the set of rules that I originally wrote after the first season of Survivor, and which I've been updating ever since. Uh, anyone who'd like to play along can find the latest version of the rules at robhasawebsite.com slash Survivor38Rules. By the time we've done all that, we'll have a decidedly more concrete and less philosophical answer to the question of why Rick lost. Yes, and I shouldn't be rude. I think that what, what Stephen said is is true. But I do think that there's more to it here than just some philosophical determination like that. So yes. I, a lot of respect for Stephen. I don't want to be, I don't want to be speaking ill of Stephen. I do love, I love reading his, his, I guess, blog every week. Is that what he calls it? Yes. He's always, yes. he's, he's always got great information in there and good stuff. And I really appreciate it very much. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so callous in my response to that. Oh, so you can be, you can be callous to him. It's okay. <laughs> No, I certainly don't want to do that. I'm pretty sure he was kidding, but you never know with Stephen. He can get pretty philosophical. Oh, he so. can. And that's what makes it so entertaining. I I love the yes. philosophical angle that he brings to the game. It's it's quite nice. Yeah, I actually even uh, agreed with uh, pretty much all of his blog this time, as opposed to last week where I agreed with pretty much none of yeah, it. So. so see, the world turns in mysterious ways. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we will turn to rule one. Uh, which, of course, is to scheme and plot. Now, Rick was doing this in a, I would say, subtle way from the start. When we talked about why Reem lost, we discussed how Rick casually mentioned the three in the water as an alliance, and he helped plant that idea in people's heads. And if you point the finger at someone else early, you can often keep it away from yourself. Rick went beyond that by doing some spy work with that threesome as he tried to figure out what Reem was planning. And then he brought that information back to the rest of the tribe, which, again, helped to keep himself safe. Mm -hmm. I think that Rick did a great job understanding where people were coming from and without kind of putting himself in their way, if that makes sense, where he would he would listen to what they were saying, he would gather that information, and then he would figure out the best way to utilize that information with ever putting himself out there to go, well, this is what I think, and this is the way I think that we should do it. He was so good at listening, and I really thought that that was great because he was able to then use that to his benefit and had people like Wendy even coming to him, and nobody was really getting along with Wendy, and he had a relationship with Wendy because I think he presented it the same way, where he was willing to listen and willing to talk with her, but he never actually like agreed with the things that she wanted to say, but she was still willing to talk to him about it. And I just think that he formed a relationship like that with pretty much everyone on his tribe. Yeah. Uh, before the swap, he seemed perfectly safe and said in the web confessional that he felt like he was in a good position. He was tight with David. He had a connection with Lauren, even though he knew Lauren and Kelly were tight and he had a connection with war dog. He wanted as many relationships as possible going into the merge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so so he had laid that all out. And then on top of that, he had some pretty good strategic reading abilities, too, because when the swap tribes were set, he saw that Joe and Aurora were tight and the three weaker players, as he called them, the other three were tight to the point that they might turn on Joe. And all of that is surprisingly accurate. Yeah. 
especially considering he hadn't officially met any of those people yet. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. He's the, the guy. He was paying attention. He was doing so great. I was so excited for my winter pick. I was like, this is amazing. He was just he was fitting in so nicely. He was making observations. He was using those observations to further his game. And he was buddies with David. Oh, so frustrated. Sorry. Well, yeah. And then, no, that's okay. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, when things turned around after they lost the challenge, he said in the web confessional before tribal council, obviously, that he felt he was on the chopping block. Yeah. He was, he was doing anything he could to subtly win over the votes without drawing attention to himself. But I mean, obviously that wasn't enough. He said he tried to talk war dog into voting out Lauren because he saw war dog as a quote strength player. And Lauren had been sick and could be potentially weaker in challenges. But he also acknowledged that if war dog thought he had a better relationship with Kelly than with Rick, he would go with Kelly. He knew how he knew how the game worked. Yeah, And so this is what frustrates me so much. And I don't know if now is the best time to do this, but I really just I feel like this was a culmination of a really bad decision that was made a couple of tribals ago. And I feel like that's where we are now. And that's why Rick finds himself in this place. And, and it's just, it's one of those circumstances where when you see a tight twosome, and we've talked about this before, that it's kind of like a power couple, if you will, and you want to break them up and you've got David and Rick and you had Kelly and Lauren. And I feel like everybody knew about Kelly and Lauren and everybody knew about, Devins and David and why not break that up? And I'm talking about the Kelly and Lauren thing when you've got the chance to do it. Why not? I I mean, I know, I know that that's been a running theme among a lot of discussion is, you know, that this was the result of poor choices in voting leading up to this. And it can be viewed that way. I personally do not because I think that requires a ridiculous amount of foresight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, to know we're going to keep losing. We're going to swap to exactly the same group, except the person that we need as a shield. Right. And then we're going to lose again. And I get, and that's why I'm not saying that that's ultimately what caused it, but this is just a perfect example of the things that can occur in this game that you cannot foresee and you cannot predict. And, and this is, a perfect example of why when you know someone is tight with someone else that you need to become very wary of that relationship. And then if you know, and and particularly in this one, that, that, that Kelly and Lauren are also close with war dog. So that almost turns into a three. And these are all of the relationships you have to be very mindful of. And yeah, nobody could see that the swap was going to break down this way. Nobody could. And obviously, as Wardog said, it's a 1% chance that it did. And this is what happened. And this is where we find ourselves. But it's it just reminds you of why you always have to be so aware of the relationships other people have with each other, because you can become a Rick Devins and end up getting voted out for doing, I don't think, like anything wrong except not breaking up to some before. But again, not knowing where the game is going to go to. There was reasons why they did that, you know, why they kept Kelly at that point in time. And it made sense. Now, hindsight, you realize maybe it didn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like anything else. You got to go with the percentages. And usually mm-hmm. I, I've talked about this in the past with, you know, uh, uh, people screaming, why didn't this person uh, turn on them? Well, they didn't turn on them before because it you know would have put them in a worse position. Right. Yes, they ended up in a bad position as it was, but this would have been worse. And I kind of view it as you know similar to poker where. Yeah, I I know some people who they will get uh, a starting hand, a a top two or three starting hand, and they will raise some huge amount that makes it clear to everyone at the table that's what they have. And then everyone folds and the person wins three dollars. Whereas if you didn't make it quite that clear, if you played a little sneakier, you might win a lot of money. Now, there will be other times when someone will call you and they will suck out on you and they will hit the. 11% 11% chance to beat your hand. And that will be painful. But you still, it's still playing it right to let them try to beat you 11% of the time if you can win 89% of the time. Right. And you can always look back in retrospect and say, ah, I should have raised it to $50 mm-hmm. instead of only making it $15. Well, yeah, then you'd have won the hand. And, and you'd have won $3. But in the long run, 
you're going to be better off by not making it as obvious and by playing the hand, I'll say, properly. And that's kind of the situation that I often see on Survivor. And, you know, I mean, we don't know the full nature of what was going through, in particular, David's head as to why he kept saying, I want Kelly out, I want Kelly out, and then didn't. We can make some guesses. But to me, I think they were playing the percentages. And when you get stuck in a less than 1% situation, well, you you know, sometimes it just happens. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, this is the, unfortunately for Rick, I think that David was putting, and not that David shouldn't do this, putting his game ahead of Rick's in this regard, where keeping Kelly around is beneficial for David because as a returning player, he already has a target on his back. And so if he ends up with Kelly on a swap tribe and they're by chance, you know, two returnees and then the rest are newbies. And if they want to take out a returnee, well, David can jump on the Kelly bandwagon. And so it it makes sense for David in that regard. And obviously it did make sense for Rick to work with David because David knows how to play this game. So it is it's so many unknowns and so many things we don't know. I mean, I, I do think that the decisions that were made by Rick and David regarding Kelly, there was a reason for doing it at that point in time. But now, unfortunately, the effect that we, I think, ended up with was this vote for Rick. But obviously, you don't know that that's what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that that's why this happened, but I do think that it was kind of a a ripple effect, if you will. And that's what ended up here. But it's a swap and you don't know what's going to happen with a swap and you can't really plan for it. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. So getting back to uh, getting back to the heart of rule one here, um, I I. I do want to mention because you did talk about David. We just talked about, well, why not David? Well, Wardog said on Twitter that he tried to suggest voting out David and got pushback, which presumably came from Kelly because I don't know where else it would have come from. And see, this is the thing flipping on David was the one thing we didn't see Rick try. Right. And we have to ask if he should have attempted it. You know, could, could he have persuaded Wardog to give it another go with the women? Rick said in the web confessional that there was some fear that David might have an idol. So the others could have just ended up suspicious that he was all of a sudden flipping on his closest ally and targeted him anyway. But if you're pretty sure you're the target, why not throw every possibility out? There? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And the, and the other thing too, they have to know about David too, is obviously David's willing to play idols for other people. He did it multiple times in the, the season that he was mm-hmm. on, you know? So if he's got an idol and you're wanting to vote out Rick and if Rick knows that that's happening, there's and you, even if you think David has an idol, David could very well play that for, for Rick. So the reliance on or the thought that, well, David has an idol and that's why we don't want to vote for David. It doesn't really mean anything as far as I, you know, David is concerned because he could play the idol for anybody. Yeah, it would have been interesting instead of trying to make it out like War Dog was the swing vote. And, oh, my gosh, going into tribal council, we don't know. It would have been more interesting to make it, is it David or is it Rick? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, they did plant a little bit of a seed, at least with me and some other people, that, uh-oh, Wardog is acting like he's the swing vote. Is everybody going to join up against him? But that never, there was never any hint of that actually happening. Yeah, no, and I think the relationship that he and Kelly have is too significant. Kelly's going to keep him around, just like he wants to keep Kelly around. Right. Right. So, you know, when you, you pull everything together from what we've talked about for the first rule here, Rick said he felt like he laid a great groundwork for his strategy going forward. But the problem is, if your tribe can't win, you can't keep going. And from what we saw and heard, I, I tend to agree with that assessment. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate. I'm sad. I'm just yeah. sad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will move into the second rule, and you've already hit on some of the things here when you were talking about duos, because the second rule tells players they need to avoid scheming and plotting too much, and they have to keep their scheming secret. And one violation that we often see of keeping your scheming secret is forming a duo. Mm-hmm. You know, last last week we saw Chris get in trouble for a different way of not keeping his scheming secret, but you know, in one of the web confessionals. Rick said the others know he and David are close. So it's not just that we see it. Mm -hmm. They see it there. 
And I know it's difficult to hide something like that, but they were an obvious duo. And we know what happens to duos. You already talked about it. What you, what do you do with a duo? You vote one out. Right. You split and them up. So considering that we know the others worried about David having an idol, Rick became the obvious way to break them up. And, you know, War Dog said on Twitter that one thing that pushed him to vote off Rick was how tight Rick and David were. He called them uh, Davins. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. And he said, you know, getting in between those two would have been impossible if the tribe kept losing. Yeah. And meanwhile, even though we know Kelly and Lauren are a duo as well, at least War Dog seems to think he has a shot of getting in between them. And I'm going to use a bit from the preview for next week, you know, to help to help uh, support that, because in the preview, which we'll talk about more in our predictions, he talks to Kelly about possibly voting out Lauren. So he at least thinks there's a hope of getting in between those two where he doesn't think he can get in the middle of Davin's. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that Rick talked about in one of his web confessionals was the fact that and I've already mentioned it, that David and War Dog didn't have a close relationship. Rick was talking about the relationship he had with War Dog, but David didn't really have a close relationship with War Dog. And right there, I think you can learn so much about where War Dog's loyalty is going to lie. Because if he's got a close relationship with Rick, but he also has a close relationship with Kelly, and he's we've heard him talk about wanting to have a meat shield, and between those two, Kelly is clearly a better shield for him than Rick would mm -hmm. be. And Rick's got David as his shield. And so... You know, really what War Dog is doing is very similar to what Rick is doing in formulating that relationship with Kelly, because by moving forward with Kelly, he's putting himself in a better spot because she's going to be the target before he's going to be the target. And it's the same thing with Rick and David. We thought, you know, David would be the target before Rick is the target. But I think that War Dog saw that relationship for exactly what it was. And that's why he knew it was going to be dangerous moving forward if we don't split those two up. They are going to be inseparable. And David knows how to play this game. And he knows that David plays with somebody. I mean, that's what David did in my season. He had Ken and that was his that was his tight duo. Brought him all to the way to the end with him. You know, so I I do really think that that War Dog is he's thinking through all the permutations. And I, I'm really impressed with the gameplay that he's put forward thus far. And I think that the, what he did makes sense for War Dog's game. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so we can move on to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. So how do you think Rick did here? Well, I'm kind of mixed because I do think that he was flexible in his willingness to formulate kind of relationships with everybody on the tribe. And maybe that's not really part of this rule, but he was so really locked into David that he didn't throw David under the bus as a as a possible, hey, let's vote for him instead of me. You know, if you and like you've already talked about, it, if you know that you're on the chopping block and your name is coming up, what better way to try to get the light off of you than to be like, hey, what about David? You know, and, and he didn't do that. So I don't I don't know if he was necessarily as flexible as he needed to be as the game progressed and seen, you know, the dwindling numbers and where he was at. And if he's got a relationship with War Dog and David doesn't, then he should have been able to utilize that to his benefit. And it doesn't look like he did. Yeah, you uh, you could have been reading my notes there because, you know, I even had the word locked in. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the other thing is Kelly said in a web confessional for this episode that Rick is not as tight with the group as he could be. So it didn't seem to at least Kelly, like he was as reliable an ally for her uh, as, he, you know, as he was for the other people, David in particular. Mm -hmm. And so I suspect when she said the group, I mean, their group is dwindling here. And I, I think she really meant he wasn't as close an ally to 
herself, Lauren, and Wardog right. compared to how close he was to David. Yeah, it's unfortunate. They, it, it, so. I do think that it was a little more divided than they necessarily represented in that tribal council. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kumbaya and crying, and it was so sad. No, I think it was it was pretty divided. Well, I think it can be sad on a social level yes. and, you know, but not in a strategic level. Right. Uh, I, now, I do think Rick was flexible earlier in other ways, specifically in dealing with Wendy oh, yes. up to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, when when she told him about her plan to free the chickens, he he didn't jump on board, but he didn't rat her out either. Yes. He just he just said, count me out, uh, you know, which I think is the best way to handle someone like that. You can't risk your game for some chickens. Yeah, no. And that's and that is a great point, because I do think that he was. That's going back to his ability to formulate these relationships. And and Wendy was the only person that I think most everyone struggled with having a relationship with. But we always saw these weird little conversations happening between Wendy and Rick. You know, she would go to Rick and she would talk to Rick about stuff and she would ask Rick's opinion. And she told him her, you know, her master plan regarding the chickens. So clearly... He didn't come across as uh, a threat to her in any regard. And so I think that that does show his ability to understand how to work within the confines of the game that he's playing with the people he's playing with. And Wendy was um, a lot to handle, I think, at times. And, And he was the only one who really seemed to be able to handle it. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, so, um, that situation is just one that is, well, I don't know. Actually, I, I think that situation leads pretty well into the fourth rule, uh, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. So we'll just go ahead with that. Uh, you know, he could have gotten mad at Wendy, mm-hmm. which would have been unproductive because she was theoretically an ally. Uh, he could have gone along with it as a show of friendship, uh, which would have perhaps been an even worse idea, uh, as I just mentioned. But he stayed on this even keel, which seemed to be the way he was during his whole time in the game. Yeah, I think that's a great way to even keel. That's really a perfect description of how he was, is that he he never overreacted. He he didn't even underreact. He always seemed to be appropriate for the situation, and the circumstances and didn't, you know, especially in, in the situation with Wendy. He didn't lose the relationship that they had had developed because he didn't react in a, in a way that turned her off and made her feel like he was against her as well. I mean, so I, I do think that that's a perfect way to describe the way that he played this game was even keel. I love that description. Yeah. And I mean, it goes all the way back. You, you could see it even in the first tribal council when, for example, he said, well, we like Reem a lot. It's just survivor. Yeah. And, you know, it, in other words, he was not being emotionally driven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Josh Wiggler's Hollywood Reporter article from the first few days on Fiji and witnessing the first tribal council, Josh said that Rick played it well when people were talking about how upset they were to have their names floated. But Rick said it was OK that his name was put out there because, again, this is survival. Yeah, I know. I completely agree with that. I do think that every time that we saw him at tribal council, he gave the types of answers that make Jeff Probst crazy because they're fantastic <laughs> answers because they're, they're, they're usually very narrative or there's something there that just, it's a good sound bite, but it doesn't give you any information, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that, you know, he, he did that very well where he would, he would provide an answer. Yes. And allow Jeff to move on, but you still, it wasn't one that allowed you to know exactly what Rick was thinking in that moment and why things were particularly happening. I think there was only one time where he did actually mention something and I can't even, I can't recall what it was right now, but it made everybody kind of pause and look at him for a moment. And I think it was in regards (laughs) to Kelly. I think it was in relationship to Kelly, but then he saved it in his response, which again just showed that he was playing survivor and that there were reasons why decisions were being made or things were happening, but he wasn't going to give it all to you at tribal council. I always thought that was great. Well, right, because, again, he wasn't playing emotionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, contrast that with the way Reem went out of the game. Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, that was all emotion, mm-hmm. and she still is all emotion over there on Extinction Island. But oh, my word, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, 
it's just a much different way of playing. And, you know, a lot of the times we will see people freak out when they hear their name and he didn't freak out. Now, he still ended up getting voted out right yeah, now. Yeah, maybe but, he should have freaked out this you know, time. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, uh, I think we can move on to the fifth rule, which discusses how players have to pretend to be nice and play the social game. And going into the season, I thought Rick would do very well in this regard. And he did even better than I thought. Yeah. You know, he, he, he seemed to be very well liked by everybody in the tribe. He was making people laugh from the moment he was introduced and made the joke that didn't get on TV about how, you know, he was introduced or Jeff Probst said, uh, introduce yourself. And he said, well, it's kind of embarrassing because my name's War Dog. Also. I know. I would have loved to uh, have seen that. So, yeah, he he was doing well in that regard. Yeah, I do think that he I, it's probably part of of what he does for a living, too, because if you think about it, I mean, this is a guy who is. He's on the news. You got to be personable. People have to be willing to to kind of trust you when you're on the news and and listen to the things that you're reporting and believe what you're saying. And I think that he was able to bring that into the way that he played this game and just become an overall likable guy because he he knew how to interact. And one of the things that he actually uh, talked about pregame was that part of his job is having to approach people in their own turf and ask questions and get those people to be willing to provide him answers by making them feel comfortable. And I think we saw him do that in this game because he was he was willing to do that and he did just that. He was able to communicate with people. He didn't make anybody feel on the outs or make anyone feel like they were, you know, not jiving well if you will. I mean, we saw that with Wendy, he created a good relationship with her. I think overall his social game was great, except he went a little bit too deep into the relationship with David, which obviously worked against him in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only, the only thing regarding this rule that made me scratch my head a little was something I mentioned earlier about how Kelly said in that web confessional that Rick was not as tight with the group as he could be. And because we didn't see any hint of that on the show. And then a couple, a couple sentences later, she said he's very charming and gets along with everybody. So the only conclusion that I can draw out of that is when she said that he wasn't as tight, she meant he was not as tight in a strategic way, as we discussed in the third rule, rather than in a social way. Yeah, because I do think that Kelly is probably looking at everybody who's on her tribe and determining the relationship significance with that person not on a personal basis, but on a strategic gameplay basis. I really think that that's the way Kelly is looking at all of the relationships that she's formulating. And that's why I think War Dog is is significant to her and Lauren is significant to her. And she probably, although thought Rick was charming and charismatic, he didn't cross that threshold with her as far as the strategic game because he was playing that game with David. And so, yeah, I can see why there would be those two descriptions of him, if you will. But I think socially, yeah, I think he was he was just likable. Everybody seemed to like him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this discussion of Kelly actually takes us very nicely into the sixth rule, which warns players that they cannot be too much of a threat, because in another part of that confessional, Kelly said that because Rick isn't as tight with them moving into the merge, he could flip. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she added that he's not physically threatening. So there's a chance that other people could come in and scoop him up. Yeah. You know, she she's already looking ahead to the part of the game when not being as good in challenges is more likely to keep you around. And if someone who is like that could flip against you, that makes them a potential threat. Yeah. Now, you know, personally, I don't really see him as being much of a threat in this situation. And it's because it, it would be one thing if original comma and original uh, Manu we're going into the merge at roughly equal numbers and you want to make sure nobody tipped the scales against you. But at this rate, original Manu will be lucky to have anybody left at the merge. I know. So, you know, I guess if it's a choice between keeping somebody with whom you are much tighter in the form of Lauren or Wardog and keeping Rick, then obviously Rick is more of a threat to you, even if it's only a small amount more of a threat. Yeah. And I think too, and maybe I'm just overthinking what Kelly's vision is for this merge, but 
in between, if you look at Rick and, and David, and as far as Emerge is concerned, she knows the type of game that David is, is going to play potentially because she's seen him play. But she also knows that come merge, if there's four returning players at that merge, I think she would rather have more there because it's a protection for her. If there's more returning players to kind of target as opposed to three, that would be better for Kelly. Well, Rick doesn't fill that, that space because he's clearly not a returning player. But I do think that Rick is the type of person, and, and I can see this being a concern for her, come the merge, that if, if you are just a likable guy and you're someone that everybody gets along with, that can make you a threat because people look for any reason to vote someone out, especially that first vote. <laughs> when you hit merge, you just don't want it to be your name, and people are looking for any reason to vote someone out. Well, Rick probably wouldn't be that guy because he's just going to be a likable guy, and no one's really going to be looking at Rick. And I feel like for Kelly, I could see why that would be a concern for her, because once you can ingratiate yourself with these new people and you can start forming relationships with them, Kelly's concerned she's got a target on her back already. And someone like Rick is not coming into a merge with a target on his back. And putting one on his back, is, I think, would be very tough at that point, because why target Rick if he's not going to be that good in challenges and he's just a, a likable guy. I mean, we don't need to worry about Rick. Well, then all of a sudden Rick is at the end and Rick is winning the game mm -hmm. because everybody likes him. That's what should have happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was your prediction. That was my prediction. <sighs> oh, well. Yeah. All right. So uh, we can move on to the seventh rule, which talks about getting and playing idols and advantages. And to start, I would presume that Rick was looking for an idol like everyone else was earlier. But my concern is about Rick not looking for an idol after the swap. Because he said in a web confessional leading up to tribal council that since he didn't know that he was going to be the target, he couldn't run off and look for the idol or else that would draw attention to him and potentially cause the vote to turn against him if it wasn't already. Yeah, no, go run, look for an idol. Run. Exactly. Go. Yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> exactly. I understand the thinking, but no, if, he seemed pretty certain the vote was likely going against him. Yeah. You have to go idol hunting. It could be your last and only chance. Yeah, get out there and look. Come on. You got to find because they're on a new they're on a new camp, for God's sakes. Right. So, yeah, go look. And it, because at that point, it's not going to matter. There's five of you. One of you is going home. You might as well just tell him, be like, I'm going to look for an idol. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll be back. I mean, who cares at that point? You've heard your name coming up. You know that it's going to come down to probably you and Lauren. And you might as well get out there and look. Might as well. It's not going to hurt anything because they're already talking about voting you out anyway. Well, it would have been interesting. You say, uh, just tell them I'm going to look for an idol. If you're that just, you know, blunt with them, and then you come back a little while later and you just act like you're all calm. Mm-hmm. You know what they're going to assume. Yeah. And so you might save yourself even if you don't find the idol. Yeah. I'm telling, or they're going to come follow you and they're going to watch. And, but what I mean, it's just one of those things where you got to kind of pull a Ben at that point. Ben, you know, <laughs> Ben knew that he was in trouble. Ben knew that he needed to have an idol and he just went out and looked. And yeah, they would make someone go follow him and, but he'd still find the idol. You know, I mean, it's just, it's one of those situations where you got to just go out there and you, you, you just have to look because who knows? You know that it's a new camp. There might be an idol out there. And we know that there is because no one's found it. At least we know that. They don't know that. But yeah. So, but he was at least looking for idols before. They had that, the idol right. hunting party at one point where everyone was looking. So he was looking. But yeah, he did kind of give up at that point. Yeah. All right. Now we move into Appendix A, which is about how the rest of the tribe should keep their end goals in mind when voting. And a big part of it is that they should, of course, uh, whenever possible, vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Now, right after a swap, and especially in a weird situation like this one, the tribe should be focused on voting out the weak. But the problem is in determining who that is, mm. because it's not just based on challenges, but on who would be the weakest link now and going forward and even at the merge. The choice, as we've, you know, we've discussed to death already, was apparently between Lauren and Rick. And David and Rick made the argument that Lauren was weaker because she'd been sick and wasn't eating. But what we saw at the immunity challenge did not indicate that she was a weak link in that. Yeah, regard. I know. 
So, you know, on the other hand, I didn't see anything that indicated Rick was weak in challenges either. But we already talked about why the threesome considered him a weak link for themselves strategically. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm worried about David and his puzzle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, doesn't seem to be getting those puzzles right. Well, and that's exactly it. That's the one question that remains is why David's name never came up. And we addressed it a little bit, but you know, we, we talked about in the first rule how maybe Rick could have flipped on him, but there's also the bigger question of why Kelly didn't want to target David. And you mentioned this some also about not wanting to be the only returnee left. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, it is something that's out there that we have to think about. For example, uh, Wandoff star DJ LaBelle Klein uh, proposed a theory on Twitter that it came down to Kelly and David not wanting to be the last returnee on a tribe that votes out returnees. So you shoot for the pawns instead. But we don't really know because, as Rob pointed out, I think on the recap show with Carl this week, we really haven't heard from Kelly as to what she thinks of David. We can guess. We know what David thinks of Kelly, or at least part of it, but we're mostly in the dark as to what Kelly thinks of David. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Kelly, and again, we don't know, but I do feel like she has that concern and that fear. It's like, it's like almost a domino effect. Like once you start voting out returnees, then it's Mm -hmm. like you make it okay to vote out returnees. And and I feel like she doesn't want to be the one that says that it's okay to vote out returnees. So I feel like she's going to kind of try to hold on to them as much as she can or as long as she can. Because I do think that once that happens, then I think it's going to kind of give a green light to everybody. Like, oh, we can do that now. We're, you know, like we're allowed. Yeah. And maybe that's what she's worried about. And that's why she didn't want to target David. Who knows? Yeah, it is interesting if they all happen to make it to the merge, and we'll talk more about whether I think that'll happen in the predictions, but if they do, at some point, yeah, a light bulb is going to go on and people are going to be like, oh, we got to start getting these people out. And I think it's going to be like, ding, 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 just all in a row, you know, four in a row, they're going to get knocked out. Yeah, no, and that's really what I think is the big fear of all of those returnees is that once one of them goes, it's just a matter of time before then they get targeted. It's And that's the, you know, when you're dealing with such small numbers, I mean, you only have four returning players. So there is kind of some comfort and solace. I think no matter what tribe they're on, when you can look across the mat and go, okay, they're still here. All right. That's good for me. Because once, once that person goes, then you, it's almost like when you have a swap and you see people who are on your former tribe getting voted out after a swap, like all of a sudden they walk in and you see one of your former tribe mates is now gone and you're like, Oh crap. You know, because you're like, all right. So you can kind of see what decisions are being made and how they're being made. And then you have to look at yourself and go, well, that's, that's where I came from. So does that mean I'm going to then be a potential target by those people who just voted out someone from my tribe? And, and I think it's very similar for the returning players to see that and then realize that I, I have that, that designation as well. And is that going to make me a target? And we clearly know that it has because everyone's been talking about it. Except David. Mm-hmm. No one's been talking about David, which I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's like we said at the in the preseason. If he can get through a couple of them, I know. Watch out. I know. So, Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. All right. So before I wrap things up, do you have any uh, final thoughts about Rick other than crying? I know. I should just sit here and cry. And I, again, I apologize to you, Rick, because I really did set in motion your downfall. What I'm hoping is that Rick goes out to exile island and just does a phenomenal job solidifying more relationships and bonds and gets to come back into this game that's what i'm really hoping for because i do think that we've lost an incredible player and i don't just say that because he was my winner pick i do think that rick presented himself as a very good strategic player he understood the game he understood relationships and how to formulate those relationships and how to use those relationships moving forward and and I think that we've talked a lot about the, the various components that he brought to this game. And I think he was doing great. I think the fact that he was he was well liked, he was sociable, he was charismatic, all boded well for Rick. Unfortunately, we talk about people getting swapped screwed, and this is just a different kind of way, I think, because he ended up 
on a tribe with four of his prior tribe mates, and the divisions of people just didn't work in his favor. Unfortunately, you had two very strong twosomes, and you had War Dog. And we've already talked about how War Dog was much more adamant about saving Kelly and working with Kelly as opposed to working with Rick and David. And I do think that Rick found himself in a very precarious situation regarding that swap. And I don't solely blame the swap. I do think that decisions that were made prior, which again, nobody can see into the future and nobody knows how a swap is going to play out. But Lauren and Kelly were a tight twosome. Rick and David knew that. And nobody broke that up. And so now you're dealing with those two sums kind of coming at a head, if you will. And unfortunately for Rick, he found himself on the wrong side of the numbers and ended up getting voted out. Doesn't come down just to a swap. I do think that Rick was someone that they needed to be concerned with moving forward. We heard about Kelly's concerns with him merge and the abilities that he would have making relationships come emerge. So I think that Rick overall was a great player. And I think that Rick ended up losing unfortunately for now because i'm hoping he comes back (laughs) because he was a well-rounded player and was doing a good job in the game and unfortunately the numbers just were not in his favor and the relationships that he had formed were not the right relationships with that particular group of five so those are my thoughts about Rick. all right yeah rick rick seems like an amazingly nice and funny guy who can get along with just about anybody from wendy to war dog He used those skills to get himself in a good position socially with the tribe and used strategy to keep people looking away from him. As I said earlier, he laid a good strategic groundwork for later in the game. But if your tribe just keeps losing and losing, at some point you run out of places to hide, especially when your planned shield ends up somewhere else. Nobody on Lesu wanted to vote out Rick. They all talked about how it was an emotional situation but the lines had been previously drawn. The bond between Rick and David was so clear and strong that the others knew they could not break them up through strategic means, and Rick's ability to get along with others worried Kelly as they head toward the merge. He wasn't as much with her as Lauren and Wardog are, and Wardog, ostensibly the swing vote, saw the same thing. How do you ensure a duo doesn't gain too much power? Well. You vote out one of them. David was thought to perhaps have an idol, and it seems like maybe Kelly didn't want him out just yet. That left only one option to split up that duo, and that is why Rick lost. Please come back, Rick. <laughs> Please. Yes, on Twitter, on Twitter, I said that uh, it would be really nice if the uh, competition uh, to return to the game is a newscasting show. Oh, he would be so great. He would be so great. <laughs> Oh, no, it is. It is so sad because he I thought I'm well, you know what? This is the the fun thing about Exile Island is that even though my winner pick is out, he's not completely out. So there's still a chance. Still a chance. Right? He could. He can come back from Extinction Island. So oh, we'll see what happens. We will see. Yes. Oh, we have well, to do that see. other crappy part now, don't we? That's right. The predictions. Oh. And it's a double episode. So we have to predict twice as much oh. as usual. No. Oh, wow. I, well, here's wow. here's why. Because the preview clearly, and a spoiler, anyone who hasn't seen it, indicates that something's going on with Exile Island. And I'm sorry if that was really Extinction. loud. Extinction. Or Extinction, Extinction Island. Extinction. I, have to, I have to remember what season we're, wa- yeah. we're watching. Um, yeah, so I feel like w- there's something that's going to happen there. and I And obviously, I don't know if that means someone's coming back or what the plan is. But it's, again, like, it's such an unknown because we don't know what's yeah. going to happen with those people. If they come back in, are they going to be back on a tribe? And then are they immediately going to be targeted? Because people will be like, we already voted you out once. Go back to where you came from. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I saw that in the preview and I ignored it because I don't believe that anything's going to happen until the actual merge. And I don't think the merge is happening in this double episode. So, yeah. um, you know, there might be a hint as to what they're going to eventually have to do, but I, I don't think so. But, as far as the people still in the main part of the game, I know. things do not look good for your savior. I know. I didn't want uh, to say the name, but yes, yes. David's yeah. in trouble. I mean, yeah. His, his combination of social game and the apparent fear that he might have an idol has kept him around this long, mm-hmm. but 
there's literally no place left to hide. Unless he finds the idol that no one has found there yet. Well, okay, that's true. But, you know, okay, so the preview, the first preview on the show showed us War Dog apparently wanting to get rid of Lauren, which I mentioned earlier, and Victoria claiming to want to join up with Aubrey to get rid of Eric. I don't buy either scenario, and basically I think the preview is full of crap. (laughs) I don't think that Kelly will go for turning on Lauren. So that's probably like one line from a discussion that goes nowhere. And Victoria is probably trying to trick Aubrey because she had a web confessional this week saying Wendy would be an easy first vote. But if she has her way, she'd vote off Aubrey first because Aubrey makes her nervous. She knows how to play the game. She's trying to get in with everyone. She's trying to tell if everyone is lying. And, And she puts a little paranoia into everyone. So she even said that if Aubrey has an idol, which she does, she might not know to play it because Wendy is the obvious first vote. Yeah, I think so, Eric said the exact same stuff in his web confessional, too, about Aubrey. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Victoria decided to switch the apparent target from Wendy to Eric to throw Aubrey off a little bit more. But I still think Aubrey is the target. And, you know, that other preview, it basically had no content because I don't count Extinction Island. Um Except Victoria saying nobody should ever trust her, which supports what I already said about how I don't buy that she wants Aubrey to help get rid of Eric. So, all right, that's a lot of nothing. And the (laughs) tribe that wasn't mentioned is Joe's tribe. And I don't remember which tribe Joe's on anymore. They just call it Joe's tribe. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. You know, so the question is, well, you lost your winner pick this week. Should I be worried about mine? Because Aurora is with Joe. But the three former members of the comma six outnumber them. So if they lose a challenge, they're not going to vote out Joe, which means Aurora could be in danger. Mm. But then I remember what I just said. If they lose yeah, a challenge. Joey amazing. Yeah. Right. There's no way Joe is coming in third. So never mind. Yeah. See, I'm curious if. And, and this is when I was watching the web confessional that Eric was talking about, where he was kind of debating his options. Wendy versus Aubrey. And I feel like it would be really incredible if they would be willing to throw a challenge just so they could vote out Aubrey or attempt to vote out Aubrey. Because I do think that the Manu tribe is, they're in trouble. They're they are not going to win a challenge, I don't think. You mean the old Manu, yes. Lesu now? Yes, Lesu, I'm sorry, Lesu. I have to keep all of these and people. Never has there been a better tribe name. Yeah, Lesu, Lesu exactly. Yeah. So Lesu is yeah. going to be in trouble, and Lesu is going to end up probably losing again. I do think if that happens, David is done, which is extremely sad, unless he finds an idol, which would be incredible. But then I also do wonder about this idea of if Eric, And Victoria kind of get it in their head that perhaps this is a chance for us to get rid of Aubrey before we go to emerge. And I know Eric talked about the possibility of trying to work with Aubrey, but we haven't really gotten that feeling yet that that she's created that relationship. And he understands that she's really good at creating relationships and utilizing little bits of information to make people feel like they're like in her inner circle. I think a lot of what he said was very telling about this idea of hey, let's throw a challenge and then we can try to vote out Aubrey. And if if there's this seed planted that it's going to be Eric as opposed to, you know, Aubrey, if that's what Aubrey is being convinced of, I don't know, maybe it would be an interesting play to kind of start that, well, if David goes first, then that light has been turned on and suddenly, you know, it's safe to vote out returning players. So that would, I was wondering that when I watched his web confessional, if there was any chance that they would be willing to do that to make that happen before emerge. Yeah. I mean, here's what I think. I think this is going to be a terrible double episode to watch. Yes. I think if, if Lesu loses then David's goose or chicken is cooked, yeah. uh, unless he manages to find an idol, mm-hmm. um, you know, now what's interesting also is that people have been noting that David talked about fire making and compared himself to Chris in terms of fire making. So maybe David ends up on Extinction Island and the challenge to get back is fire making. Nobody can make fire faster than David. I know. I I know. So that's, yeah, that's clearly not. I mean, he was, again, David's just saying stuff to make people feel like he's not a threat. Yeah. Well, that could be. But so 
then I'm going to guess that Lesu doesn't manage to lose both immunity challenges, whether it's because of a throw, like you said, or whatever, and that Aubrey's new group has to go to tribal council. Yes, she has an idol, but if she is convinced that the tide has turned and she's in with Victoria, I could see her holding on to it, and I don't think that will go well for her. So I'm making the absolutely horrible prediction that both David and Aubrey get voted out in the double mm, episode. I just cringed. I don't like that. Do you know what would yeah, be great though? Let's so not that, not that, not that, not that exactly. Yeah. But if we look at the people who are on Aubrey's tribe, you've got Wendy. And what do we know about Wendy? She can't keep secrets uh, very nuts. well. Well, she oh, can't keep yeah. secrets very well, right? I mean, other Well, they won't tell her. Well, and that's Maybe. that's what I'm curious about is that, you know, if they don't, I mean, then they still have plenty of votes obviously if they don't tell Wendy what's going on. But I just feel like there's something about Wendy that could really throw a wrench in all of that. <laughs> I don't know and, how well, it would something happen. about Wendy that can yeah, throw a wrench in everything. But maybe that's why Victoria decides to make the plan going after Eric, because then she can tell Wendy, hey, we're going after Eric. And with the knowledge that only Wendy and Aubrey will vote that way. Yeah, that's very interesting. But then if she does catch wind of it and uses her idol then eric goes home that would be crazy oh this yeah. is going to be an insane this is going to be an insane double episode it absolutely will well yeah i agree that it's going to be those two those two tribes i i'm curious if they would throw a challenge and maybe they would do it right away maybe they'd just be like oh let's do it now let's just throw a challenge and see if we can get aubrey out but god i just feel like wendy's such a wild card i really feel like she's a wild card and maybe, yes. maybe, I don't know. Uh, I don't want it to be Aubrey. I, like it's gonna be. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I, I don't either. But there's so many, <sighs> so many computations. I mean, hopefully the, uh, you know, the reverse time travel uh, situation uh, will, will make it happen. So, yes. So those are my two official predictions. What's your official uh, putting it down, you know, uh, officially here? So I do think that David is in trouble. I really do. But I don't feel like I don't feel like it's going to be Aubrey. I feel like Wendy's going to do something to muck it all up. <laughs> I just really <laughs> do. And I just feel like that confessional, that web confessional of Eric's was so there was so much information there about Aubrey and his calculations regarding Aubrey that I just feel like he might want to continue to use Aubrey if he can. And I don't know. I just feel like I feel like it's I feel like it's going to be Wendy's time. I feel like it's I feel like something's going to go crazy. There's maybe there's going to be this plan in place. We've got to target Aubrey and then Wendy's going to do something nuts and everyone's going to be like, oh, let's just vote her out already. That's what I feel. Like. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do David and Wendy just so it'll feel a little less painful. OK. <laughs> All David right. And so Aubrey, will... Oh, my God. That would yeah. be awful. I know. I know. All right, so we will see what happens uh, on Wednesday. In the meantime, I want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter, where Jessica is at JessicaLewis89, and I am at David Bloomberg. Make sure to follow both of us so you can see the whole conversation all week, including on Wednesday when I live tweet during the airing of the show in Eastern and Central Time. Me too. Uh, yeah, that's right. Got <laughs> uh, <laughs> to throw that in there. That's right. All right. Um, you know, also be sure to check out the RJP patron program by heading over to Rob has a website.com slash patron to help support all of the RJP podcasts and take a look at the various Patreon levels to find out what kind of perks you can get, uh, like special podcasts, videos, buffs, bells, much more. Uh, check out everything at Rob has a website.com slash patron and, you know, say hi to us in the patron Facebook groups, which is uh, my favorite perk. Yes, and I listen, I did get into the group and I was I saw. see. So I listened to you. You told me I need to get back in there. Now that my job has settled down a little bit and I can breathe a little bit more, I'll be back. You just get oh, ready, okay. patrons, because here I come. Okay. So now that your job has settled down a little bit, you can quickly come up with a hashtag, right? Oh my goodness. Oh, hashtag. Oh. Ooh, let's see. Hmm. I I don't know if I can come up with a quick one. Ah. Oh. How about just, uh, we'll do hashtag Davins. Davins. I like Davins. I think that's good. 
We'll uh, we'll credit uh, War Dog for that one. Uh, so that's D A V E N S hashtag Davins. And uh, you know it's a good thing they went with that because as uh, Bryce can tell you. What would be the other hashtag if you use their first names together, David and Rick? I, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but oh, yeah, I know, oh. I know. <laughs> it would be the same as the one that Davey and Nick used yes. uh, and never made it onto the show. Yes. So, uh, of course, the hashtag for this podcast overall is hashtag YXLost. Uh, everyone should make sure you're getting all the Survivor commentary you can handle by subscribing to the RHAP Survivor Podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or probably more easily on your favorite podcatcher we are also on the reality tv rehap ups feed and between those two places you can get all of the rhap content like the know-it-alls the wiggle room uh this week in survivor the bnb and much more uh thanks to scott st pierre who does all the editing on the why blank loss podcasts thanks as always to will from america for the theme song and thanks to you jessica for another great though sad episode Thank you, David Bloomberg. I am sad, but yes, it was a great episode. Unfortunately, we had to talk about my winner pick, but my winner pick is coming back. He's coming back. I probably shouldn't say that because then that means it's not going to happen either, right? Mm. Yes. Once again, your reverse time travel <laughs> curse will. Uh, Damn it. Will, will have to stop doing this. All right. So, yes, but thank you, David. This was uh, a sad, but well, you know, discussed episode. There was a lot to, a lot to talk about here. And next week, oh, it's going to be so painful. It's going to be so painful. It could be. If your predictions be. are correct, it's going to be painful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We'll worry about that next week, though. So we will see everyone then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You lost Survivor and you're feeling down. David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost